podcast from Drew and Mike is, I think it's really cool and um, that is what I wanted to say. Politics around the world hasn't suddenly become more complicated. The human experience hasn't suddenly leapt into a new universal reality. We breathe the same air, albeit more polluted. We speak the same languages. We see with the same eyes, and so on. In essence, we are today not significantly different to humans from 50 or 60 years ago. Yet there are differences. Perhaps it can be said we live at a greater speed. We gorge on more information of different types. We communicate with varied means. And we demand more from ourselves and others more quickly and without remorse. As we no longer have to wait for postal services to deliver letters and agreements, we stress at the seconds that tick past our fibre-optic lifelines and glare into the void of 5G. Yet we have allowed this state of affairs to develop and others have fueled it, encouraged it, and benefited from it. Each of our worries and fears have become amplified. What little we may have is taken from us not by invaders, but by speeches. Our way of life is attacked not by superstates, but by racist statements from domestic leaders. Our sovereignty has only ever existed in the mind. While we live in servitude to people who have always profited, and who will now simply profit more, and without restraint, unless. From this vacuum of social interest, a political movement is breaking through, a movement which seeks to empower communities, minorities, young and old, to participate, benefit, live and enjoy everything that a safe, environmentally conscious and just and equal country can give. Alex, from the Breakthrough Party, very kindly came to speak with me to talk about his party's positive approach to bursting the Westminster bubble and including all of the UK in living better and happier. Thank you, Alex, for your time. I'm very happy to say that I'm joined here by Alex from the Breakthrough Party. Alex, thank you very much. No, thank you very much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, so there are a few people who probably are not necessarily from the UK that listen to this podcast. And so therefore, they're going to read, OK, Breakthrough Party. So obviously, they know this is politically uh, associated in some way. Um, could you give a little bit of background then as to who the Breakthrough Party is and kind of where you came from? Yeah, absolutely. So we're a democratic socialist party um, that was basically formed to be an, a real alternative in British politics to Labour and the Conservatives. Um the party was actually something that I've been thinking about forming for quite some time, but it sort of came to a head during the, the global pandemic. Um, I think I, I'd been I'd been furloughed from my job. I was sort of sat at home and you were seeing all the news stories roll in, like, you know, whether it was around corruption, whether it was around, like, you know, the, the care home deaths and so many awful things that were happening under Tory rule. Um, it was very difficult not to be politically engaged during that time. Um, and then I think on top of that, you had Labour 
offering very little opposition, um, providing no real alternative. And I think that was, you know, frustrating me quite a lot. Um, and I think it just all came to a head in the summer. I think it was the summer of 2020. And I went, you know, I, was, I, had, a, I had a group chat with a few friends on WhatsApp. Um, and we were sort of talking about, like, why hasn't anyone created an alternative? Like, in, in the UK, when you look at, like, what parties exist on the left at the time, especially, there wasn't that many. Especially, like, none that I think offered that sort of sense of hope and was a bit more, like, modern in its thinking as well. So I think I just started looking into it. And, you know, day by day, I was like, actually, I'm, I think I can do this. And I started building up that confidence to do it, went through all the process, and then, you know, it was January 2021 that we officially registered as a political party and like the rest is history, really. Yeah, I mean, I can tell from your social media uh, presence that there's quite a following. Um, and I mean, in fact, that's where I came across uh, the party first. And I, uh, as we kind of quickly spoke a bit earlier as well, even when the 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 party line was to be critical of a certain kind of um, government decision, there was such this uh, element of positivity within the messaging that came through. And you say, I mean, that is a deliberate um, approach, isn't it, of your party? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really, really important. Like, I, I come, I've come into politics quite late into my life. You know, I'm, I'm 32 now, but like, I, you know, I'm quite new to politics. I, I wasn't like a trade union, you know, my dad wasn't like a trade unionist. I wasn't going along to loads of different protests. I wasn't politicised in my youth. So for me, I'm, I'm coming into this quite, you know, fresh faced um, and I wanted to do something a bit different with what we're trying to achieve as a party and offer that sort of fresh perspective I guess because I think what frustrates me most about politics and I think frustrates a lot of people about politics is essentially just you know two parties three parties whatever just criticizing what the other one's doing and that's all well and good like you know there's a lot of flawed politicians and a lot of flawed political parties in, in the British landscape at the very least um and you know that's all well and good like we have to be ready to call out people when they're wrong call out policies or call out certain bills or acts that are really you know horrendous but you do need to offer that sort of sense of hope because i think i think people need that right now i think when you just see the news like day after day and you're just seeing another bleak story after another bleak story and things are tough right like things are really tough right now like when we talk about all the issues in in the uk like around cost of living crisis around you know our crumbling public services the nhs is on its on its knees um and the climate crisis as well which is probably the biggest threat to not just the uk but the rest of the world as well and we want to like take people away from that and go okay like these are massive issues and we need to absolutely highlight them and say like these are problems but we also need to provide solutions and i think you know from the manifesto that we put together we've been able to sort of identify those problems and identify the solutions as well we're really fortunate that like a lot of people really love the ideas. Um, you know, now we need to go that next step with the manifesto and sort of show people, you know, how this looks in practice. But yeah, it's absolutely yeah. In terms of our messaging, um, yeah, that's that's definitely something we we try to do and offer a positive spin on it. Because yeah, I'm just I I'm myself just absolutely sick to death of just seeing like like slogging matches between the Labour and the Tories, just like you know, just offering no real alternative it's just you know criticizing each other and it's just a bit gets a bit boring as well like beyond beyond just actually making you feel a bit you know a bit bit drained it's also quite boring and so we want to offer something a bit new and um, hopefully like with our ideas a bit radical as well 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, you know, when you mentioned the the manifesto there as well, we should also um, highlight the website, and I will put the uh, the address of the website, but it is breakthroughparty.org.uk. Um, and I'll put that also in the the episode notes. Um, but just mentioning some of the things that you mentioned there, um, you know, the element of positivity. I, I don't I'm not familiar with any other party where they put up their policies so openly uh, because, I mean, if we remember in previous elections when politicians are asked, OK, so what's your policy on this? Well, it's on the table, you know, OK, but what's your what's your policy? What's your approach? And they're not really very forthcoming, are they? Um, but you've put so much out there. And on top of that, you've given people an opportunity to essentially click on something um, and thereby registering an interest. And so you, other people can also see which particular elements of these policies in specific categories um, you know, are proving popular. Um, I mean, this level of openness, transparency and so on, it's extremely refreshing. No, thank you. Like, I, I think it's really important. Like, we, we want, you know, I think from what we've seen over these last, you know, since we formed the party, the level of scrutiny of smaller parties is actually much larger than for than, than the, the more established parties. Like we, we when we first started the party, we had 10 core policies um, because we didn't want to release anything more than that, because, you know, with our process like for developing policy, it's member led. So ultimately, like if the members don't want the policy uh, breakthrough to adopt policy, we don't adopt it. As simple as that so they you know our members do the research they come up with the ideas they then have these hold these debates and discussions with the rest of the membership and then we vote on it and it's really as simple as that and we offer that you know total like democratic process and then when we do you know get around to publishing these policies as you say on the website we want to we want to see what people think and we're we're really keen on that and i think transparency in politics is pretty much non-existent as you know we, we just find out stuff through leaks that's kind of what happens and you know not only that but then also you have this you know slow like sloganeering like you know people will come up you know with the Tories in 2019 it was get Brexit done you know Starmer has had so many different slogans over the last two to three years like I've actually lost track of those relaunches and you know I think there just comes a point where it needs to be more like politics needs to be more than just vibes. And I feel like at the moment, politics is just a vibe. Like there's no real substance to anything that anyone says. Um, and that's why we want to be really crystal clear. Like this is what we stand for. Hopefully you like it. Like, there will be people that won't. Like, you know, we accept that. But I think there'll be a hell of a lot more people that like what we do than those who don't. Yeah. And also an, an additional observation on, on my side from what you say is, um, Lots of politicians go down this route of considering themselves brands, um, this kind of commercializations of, of their image and so on. And um, that kind of cheats the people from exactly what they are. They're not brands. Yeah, I don't walk into uh, the shop of politics because I want to purchase a Labour pair of shoes or a conservative tie. Um, you know, I want people to represent the interests of the country and the community. Um, and clearly you don't have this branded vision you have policies so you're saying this is who we are um and i think that's also a very brave step isn't it i think in this age of politics as well it's tough right like it's very very tough like you know we're living in an age of personality politics and populism where when you know the last 2019 election it was between boris johnson and jeremy corbyn and that was what it was talked about it wasn't talked about what what you know because i think if it was based on policies i think we'd have seen a very different result um and this is the thing is like you know people when we talk about like how elections are won now it's mainly done on personality and it's done on like very like 
clear like pledges or certain like slogans or whatever else it's not actually like meat on the bones as it were so there has to be a fine balance it's so it's so tough and it's the balance we're trying to strike at the moment because we're being really open about our policies and we're like look here we go like here's 150 policies that's only going to get bigger as well like we're always growing and developing our manifesto it's like a, a living breathing document we don't just go okay that's it here's our manifesto because things change right like things will change but we will we will communicate with people when those things do change and go okay well we might have this policy now but that policy will now slightly alter because this has happened and be really vote and be really honest about that rather than like you know when we look at you know for example the, the you know 2019 Tory manifesto so many things have not happened you know so many things they haven't filled up you know like the new hospitals for example but then also you can say to Labour as well Keir Starmer and his leadership pledges all of them have been abandoned um all 10 of them they're abandoned um and you know that was down to apparently the the war in Ukraine and Covid and if anything you need more radical policies <laughs> than you did before when, once these things have happened so none of it holds up and I think what we're trying to do as I say is trying to offer that real like clear transparency this is what we're about this is where we're going and just be honest with people i think like that that is what the least the very least politicians and polit you know and political parties should be doing and it needs to go beyond personality like we see it on the left as well like there are you know there are parties on the left that do have that messianic figure and like everyone's looking to that person for you know <laughs> looking for that person to lead them into you know into socialism or you know and we need to get past that it needs to be about the policies it needs to be about ordinary people like taking that power back from from the super rich and it can't be it can't be done you know a single figure can't do that single figure can inspire absolutely but like i think it has to go beyond that person it has to be all of us taking taking part in that and actually you know bringing that power back it has to be us as a collective that does that yeah and in fact which also um brings me to an another um issue that i have with the, some of the populist voices uh, particularly on the right um but also by the lack of genuine response from um, the labor front benches when you know when politicians come out and say what we'll have you know any kind of government except a socialist government and so on and they are you know this this attempt to basically make make anything socialist the enemy um and this really uh, is kind of reflected in the minds of the electorate when they go to the ballot box um you know one of the important things that people have to learn it seems is exactly who socialism protects yeah absolutely I, I think that's the thing is like the word socialism you know communism marxism the, these terms have been absolutely bastardized by the british media um, and politicians and we face a real a, a, a big challenge in terms of reclaiming those words um and actually saying this is actually what socialism is um because you know i think it has just been fed into us over decades really and like probably since like the 19 you know like 1950s i think it's been really and it's just been supercharged into the 21st century that socialism is a bad thing when you actually look at <laughs> you know you see those i don't know if you ever see those sort of memes of like um someone does like oh this is what it looks like uh, you know like when like supermarket shelves are empty and say oh this is what it'd look like if we lived in a socialist country and then it's like that's in a capitalist country that's happening right now in a capitalist country it makes absolutely no sense um and I think we just need to like educate people. I think that that isn't gonna, you know, it needs to be taught in schools. Like I'd love to see that, but I think that the education system, I think 
won't do that. So like in the meantime, you know, as a party, we're, we're looking to employ like a political education program. So we'd love to, you know, not only educate our members, but take that out into communities and actually say, OK, this is what capitalism is. This is what socialism is. Um, this is what imperialism is. This is what this stuff means and what it actually how this impacts you. Um, and I think, you know, when you even look at the last general election, like people were really supportive of progressive policies. Um, and that was really understated. And I think we need to like really show people that there is another way. And I think people are ready for something new as well. I think they really are. Like, I think there was a poll the other day that I think there was like 61% of people that responded to the survey said they think that there's a need for a new party um, away from Labour and the Tories to challenge them and offer a real alternative. And I think people are looking for that now. They're, I think they're absolutely crying out for it. So for us, it's like, you know, it's a really good time to exist and try and build really from there. Yeah. Um, and going through some of your uh, policies, I mean, what, one of the things which comes through um, from what you're saying in general is the sense of unity, the sense of community, the sense of you know, people working together and participating. And you know, you've got a vision for community. Um, and looking at some of the, the policies you've highlighted here, you know, these are things which can only really benefit people, especially those who are perhaps um, underprivileged, the ones who are currently suffering the most from the consequences of the pandemic and then thereafter the energy crisis and the cost of living crisis. You know, the number of people that currently have to go to food banks you know, to be able to feed their families um, is a disgrace. Uh, especially when you consider to how uh, wealthy the UK is as a country. Um, and so many of your policies here are just realistic, practical ways that communities can extricate themselves from that kind of uh, destitution, really, isn't it? It's, it's, it's wonderful. No, thank, no, thank you. Like, no, that, that's absolutely what we're trying to do. And I think that's the issue in this country is that like the poorest people in our society are just absolutely, you know, have been just demonized by, by again by politicians in the media um they felt that you know and they're understandably like apathetic like i think that's the thing it's like people really like you know like do they really want to be like focusing on like drama that's happening in westminster when they they're thinking about where their next meal's coming from you know what i mean like that's just like that's why i want us to get away from that sort of westminster drama and be more about you know policies that can actually help people and i think it has to be about producing that positive messaging it needs to be saying like look these are how these things will benefit you um and what i'm hoping as well is what we can try because that's, that's a massive issue in this country and i'm sure it is in other uh, countries as well is like the, the voter turnout the voter turnout in elections um especially in like more deprived communities is really like quite low so there has to be that level of like you know we want people to participate but we understand why people aren't at the moment when you look at the current political landscape um, so we wanted to say, like, yeah, we definitely what we want to do with our manifesto and what we're trying to do as a party is totally rebalance society, essentially, in terms of like transferring wealth, ownership, power from the super rich to the, you know, the poorest and most vulnerable in our society. And that's what that's what a breakthrough party government would look like. And that's what we want. And I think, you know, as you said, I think our policies are quite like practical. They're not like. Pie in, I, I really don't believe they're utopian or pie in the sky. I think they're really like achievable. But like the issue is, is like no one in this country has the, you know, none of the mainstream parties anyway have the political will to carry it out. And that's really upsetting because like, you know, like there's been a lot of focus recently about growth. Like, you know, only if we grow, only if the economy grows, can, pe can we pull people out of poverty? 
which is just absolute nonsense. Like it is total nonsense. Um, so like we just need to get away from these sort of these things that we've been fed for so long, these these narratives that we've been fed and just say, like, you know, ultimately, we've got millions of people living in poverty. Like, what can we do to solve to solve this? And it's very, you know, and when you actually look at the policies, like the policies that we have, like, it's actually really simple how we can do that. There's lots of different ways we can do that. Um, whether it's high minimum wages, maybe whether it's working public services that are like affordable or free where, where they need to be. Um, you know, these are just like, so, you know, and in terms of like having a social security system that actually works, you know, that brings people out, you know, that can bring people out of poverty, um, you know, not just folks, because, you know, when you look at, when you look at work as well, like the wages are so low. So you've got so many people that are in, in work poverty, you know, a massive amount of people. So there's so many different things that we can do to, to change that. Even like the, one of our biggest policies, which is probably one of my favorite policies that we have is around free public transport which I think it would be an absolute game changer, not only like from a, from a climate, you know, when we talk about climate change and stuff like that, cause that would be, you know, getting less people using cars and everything else. But in terms of like social mobility as well, like if everyone could access, you know, you know, so many people that live outside of like a big town or city center who can access those amenities, access those opportunities and everything else could just be such a massive step forward for, for society. And, you know, these are the kind of ideas that we think should just be front and center of any, any just any progressive manifesto and it's just missing from British politics and I think that's you know we're trying to bring that as a, as a party and say like look these are the ideas people should be adopting and hopefully we can you know as we continue building we can make these actually you know people actually start looking at these ideas and going yeah why aren't why aren't other people adopting these yeah absolutely and there's a definite power um, to the words and policies that you present um, and what that would also hopefully do will be to inspire some of the other parties which are currently uh, at the forefront uh, to sort of reanalyze, reflect um, and then perhaps take a step more towards humane policies rather than this uh, fulfillment of corporatism and, you know, uh, sort of um, trying to essentially prop up the energy sector and the automobile sector and all of these uh, these sort of large, powerful conglomerates which don't provide any actual service to uh, to the community other than fulfilling the needs of their shareholders. Um, yeah. And but also your messaging is so consistent because um, even when, you know, if people were to look at the manifesto from, I mean, I've got the community page open here, um, but if they were to look at also your policies on youth or your policies on education or your policies on economics and so on, there is a consistency to your messaging. You know, you are putting communities at the forefront. You are putting um, the creation of opportunities um, and equal opportunities for all communities um you know right at the front and you're giving communities the authority as it were to make decisions for their own benefit um and that's across the board on, in all of your policy categories isn't it yeah absolutely we think it's so important i think when you actually look at politics now like there's a lot that's just sort of talked about in terms of party politics which you know we're a political party so obviously we're gonna there's gonna be that electoral element to it but we think like politics really does happen in community like you know in communities not only in communities but like in workplaces on the streets as well and you know for us like everything has to stem from community i think that that sense of community and that sense of collectivism has just been ripped apart you know totally torn away by by the tories over the last four decades 
um you know i think it was margaret thatcher that sort of like started building that idea of the individual like looking after yourself looking after your own sort of like your your own home and looking after your immediate environment but beyond that you know don't you know they didn't really you know don't care for your neighbor don't don't look after one another the state shouldn't be having to look after people like you, you know you should be able to be self-sufficient and whatever else and sort of driving home that narrative you know that individual individualistic narrative and I think we've got to take that back and say actually no like so much good work and so much you know I think as as you know humans are like we're social animals right and like we want to be in communities and we want to be you know we want to have, have that sense of belonging as well and we want to try and bring, you know, say bring people together and say, actually, no, like you, you guys should be making decisions ultimately. Like the community, you know, communities across the country should be making decisions about their own, their own destiny, their own future. And I think, you know, everything's so centralized now as well. That's a massive issue in British politics. It's all coming from Westminster. Like there's no, it's very top down. There is no level of um, autonomy or ownership that the community, that communities and people in those communities have. So I think like stuff like, you know, I think one of our policies, you know, one of our policies around community wealth building, I think is really, really important in terms of local services and, you know, local services working like for the local economy and working for local people and it all retain being retained in that community, I think is so important. Um, and yeah, all of our policies, everything that we do is always built around community and how that will benefit people day to day, not just about like, you know, <laughs> pleasing you know, we don't want to, we, we don't, we ultimately know we're not going to ever be friends with, with corporations, you know, large corporations and um, billionaires. Like we know we're not going to have them as friends and that's, that's absolutely fine. Like we want policies that basically will work for ordinary working, you know, working people, those unable to work. We just want it to, you know, we want these policies and this manifesto to appeal to them and to say like, look, change is possible and we can deliver it. And we're really confident that we could. Yeah. Um, and another pet sort of pri priority of mine is, as you've also mentioned, the, the environment, climate change and addressing uh, the issues, um, which is also one of these sort of big unifying platforms. And again, also um, a, a policy area which really attracts the young. You know, I'm thinking of the inspiration provided by Greta Thunberg um, and Fridays for Future, you know, um, and I love to see young people getting involved in politics. I was at um, an Amnesty International event a few months ago, and the number of young people there um, who really took an interest in human rights, um, you know, it really is empowering to see the youth of your society standing up and sort of raising their voices, isn't it? Yeah, it's what gives me hope, ultimately. Like, I... I... <laughs> I sort of try and say do I consider myself still young and I probably you know I don't know if I, I don't know if I quite fall in that bracket anymore but like in terms of like young people coming through like I feel like when you look I think there was like a survey done relatively like I think it was last year around um, millennials at first around how millennials aren't getting more right wing as they get older you know they're staying left wing and I think like you're going to see that not just in millennials but in gen z and generation alpha as well and like when you see these you know young people that are like you know, as you say, like whether it's fighting for climate justice, social justice, racial justice, like you're seeing this in a, a, so many different like movements, trade unions, campaign groups, and hoping, you know, and, and actually the one area where you don't see a lot of young people at the moment is political parties. And I can under, again, totally understand why, because when you look at the policies that are being adopted by main parties, like what is there for young people? Like what is there for young people within British politics right now? 
what we hope is that young people will start looking at us, but like looking at politics and saying, actually, no, we want to, we want a piece of this because when you look at like opportunities for young people now, like it's, I, I thought it was bad when I was, you know, I, I grew up well, sort of like my, my adulthood has basically been since the start of the financial crash. So I've never really known a time that was really normal, but like, I feel like for the next generation, it's even harder. Like, you know, you haven't only got like an economy that isn't working, but you've got, you know, sky high tuition fees, like massive amounts of like the, the amount of rent that young people have to pay is extortionate, like absolutely shocking. So you've got a housing crisis, you've got, you know, tuition fees and you've ultimately got student debt. You've got, you know, the, I think it's like the, the, um, biggest like stagnation in like living standards or biggest drop in living standards since the Napoleonic Wars you've basically got and then you've got climate you know as you mentioned you've got climate change and you've got all these different crises coming together and that's going to politicize you right like if you're a young person you're seeing all of that that is going to politicize you and it's going to make you want to to get involved and that's why we're seeing so many really inspirational young activists coming out of the the, the climate movement whether you know climate climate movement trade union movement feminist movement um you know and like around like racial justice as well as i said so it is really uplifting and it's what gives me hope because i think genuinely like in the next 20 years like if the likes of the lay party and the tory party don't shift with the times and change in, in terms of how they approach politics they won't exist like they will they will be very very marginal niche parties because i think you know society as we know it is changing and politicians i think you know especially in the tory party are trying everything they can to stop society changing but it won't you know ultimately like young people are the future and they're gonna they're gonna own uh, you know own the future and they're gonna own um society so they need to you know they need to start in parties that are representative of them and hopefully breakthrough is that you know that's what we like to think it is i think it represents young people in a really in, you know in a really positive way yeah um and there is also this you know we were talking earlier with regards to sort of you know badges or labels given by uh, especially right-wing politicians and you know this concept of um being progressive or um you know now in the last couple of years they've started to attack woke and so on um without clearly understanding what the term means nor indeed what the history of being woke means um yeah how can you because obviously you address the youth. Um, some of the problems, though, with regards to recent elections and referendums has been that old category. Um, and you, you are very young, um, you know, but, uh, you know, clearly you're not, um, yeah, should we say so young that you are not aware of, you know, some of the difficulties of life because you've obviously lived through considerable difficulties yourself already. Um, How do you bridge that gap, though? Um, because a, an older person will look at you and say, oh, well, we're all so young. There is a language, isn't there, that you can convince them with of what you're saying for their benefit, too. Absolutely. I think like there is like and I think, again, like the, the political parties in the UK do play the sort of like that there is a generational divide in, and they do play on that, um, especially around like more like social issues. I think they use that, you know, you know we were talking about like the culture war and. You know, I think they try and flame tensions around immigration, around trans rights and, you know, other issues like that. But ultimately, like what it comes back to and what it has to come back to with the old generation as well is a lot of these people will have children, right? They'll have grandchildren. And it's about appealing to that and saying, like, look, do you what, what do you want for your children and grandchildren moving forward? Do you want a society where, you know, 
you're not going to be well paid. You're not going to have any public services that work. You, you know, privatized NHS, you know, like a costly NHS, similar to the American health healthcare system, a planet on fire. Are these the kind of things that you want for your children and grandchildren? <laughs> Sounds really bleak, but you've got to be totally upfront and honest about it. Or do you want something different? Do you want something better for them? Because like, you know, every generation up to this point has, has experienced an increase in living standards. I think I believe the millennials were the first generation in the last hundred years to not experience an increase in living standards. So like that is a problem. And like, we're going to have that for probably further generations as well. And like, you know, like our older counterparts have been very, you know, they've obviously experienced different crises and like, we totally can't underestimate that. But like, ultimately, like they've, they've had a good time of it. <laughs> I think younger people now coming through are going to have a much harder time of life. And we've got to appeal to that and say, like, look, like, this is the world that your children and grandchildren growing up into. This, do you want that for them or not? I also think there has to be an element of like messaging as well around tailoring messaging. So like when we think of like who we're speaking to, like if we're speaking to younger people, as you mentioned before, climate change is a massive thing um, around like women's rights issues, around racial justice. Like there's a lot of different issues that young people care more about than older people. Older people might be more thinking about the NHS, social care, community I think community policy is quite massive as well and sort of thinking about these things so I think what we've got to do as a party is like recognize that like and we I think we do quite a good job of it and saying like look ultimately like these are the things that you know older generations stereotypically think about I think that's the thing like there are there are exceptions to the rule and I never would want to say like you know because there, there has been a lot of rhetoric around you know the election basically since Brexit election where it's like oh older people more likely to vote for Brexit old people more likely to vote Tory and yet like these things are true right but like, there's a hell of a lot of older people that didn't vote for Brexit and a lot of older people that didn't vote for the Tories we've got to recognize that but ultimately like there's going to be certain things that will appeal to older voters and as long as we communicate that effectively then I think we'll be absolutely fine but yeah I think that's the I think the, the core message for me has to be about appealing to those who have children have grandchildren and saying like what is the future you want for them you know, either what we have now, or do you want something different? And I think nine times out of 10, they'd say they'd want something better for their children and grandchildren. Yeah. Um, British politics presents itself in a way that it's it's uh, it's decisive, um, that it's uh, quite flexible because it's not burdened by this uh, extremely uh, complicated, codified constitution and so on. Um, and they they, they look ten, British politics tends to look at, for example, European uh, political systems, you know, where there are coalitions, essentially like here in Germany or in Italy and so on. And they consider these to be weaker government. Um, I disagree. Um, and I guess that there will be quite a few people who would also disagree because, hey, what's wrong with having a conversation with a politician who has a slightly different perspective and trying to work with them? Um, uh, but this is one of the reasons why in British politics, this uh, system of uh, first past the post uh, continues to rule the roost. Um, is it fair to say that one of your policy ideas is to introduce proportional representation? Yeah, absolutely. I think that has to be key, right? I think you made the point around um, Germany and like how like it's a coalition government and but like I think it's really representative of the vote of voters of people that vote. Like you know, yes, I think like with proportional representation, I think like one of the things gets gets used but a lot by people that are um, opponents of it is saying, well, like you could have like you know you could have far right parties that do get do get MPs and I think that is the case you could have a couple 
But ultimately, then it works the other way as well, right? Like we'd have more left wing parties that would have more seats and they would have more say. And I think, you know, ultimately, if we want if we want a, like a, a truly you know, a true democracy, I think PR has to be one of the founding principles of that. The issue that we have at the moment in the UK is that, you know, neither of the two ruling parties want PR because they know that, you know, as soon as PR is a thing, they will have to totally reshift how they work. As, as parties not only that I think they again would know that they don't have much chance of continuing I think they play on the first past the post system and, it's, and it sort of encourages this I think it encourages this attitude of like voting for the, the you know the lesser evil I think that's always what it comes down to in an election when you're voting you're kind of going oh okay like there's no actual party that represents me but this is the least worst option so okay I'll go for that and it's led to this thing of as well around like tactical voting. So like, again, that sort of like holding your nose, um, you know, like sort of going, OK, I'll, I'll vote, you know, say, for example, um, you're in a constituency where the Lib Dems are second place and you want them to beat the Tories. You'll vote Lib Dem because you want the Conservatives out. I want the Conservatives out just as much as the next person. But I don't want it to come to this idea that we have to just vote for the best person to get out I think there should be that level of fairness like when you think of like the last general election I think the Tories got around 14 million votes right um and they got 365 seats um so that's about it's about like near 40,000 votes a seat give or take like very quick maths but sort of like 40,000 I think um but then you like look at like other parties like you know in the past there's been UKIP and there's been the Greens who get like hundreds of thousands if not millions of votes and get one seat like how is that just like that just baffles me to say that that's a fair, like how could you say that's fair um so i think like by moving to pr like ultimately to have a government that is much more representative of its citizens um and i think as well you'd get rid of that idea of having to vote for the best of a bad bunch and you wouldn't be cut like sort of caught in this endless cycle of you know centrist and right-wing political parties that just either like you know basically tinker around the edges don't really change anything and they just all take turns of managing power like that's just not a healthy democracy and i think that pr is a massive step forward in sort of addressing that yeah and i also find it quite interesting because brexit essentially came around because um farage and boris johnson and gove they kind of uh, played to this sense of British sovereignty, you know, be represented by your own principles and by your own institutions. Um, and yet when it comes to voting systems, that same concept is not sort of brought over, is it? As in, you know, when you have proportional representation, that is what makes your individual communities and regions better represented. But why don't people want to do that? Instead, we are perpetuating the Westminster bubble. Oh, completely. And I think this is what I was sort of talking about earlier is like, I think we need to totally decentralise politics in this country. I think, you know, like personally, like I'm really, I really like the idea of similar, similar to Germany, really, that federalist model. I think progressive federalism is, you know, again, this isn't a party policy. This is just me speaking on a personal level. I think that is a, a really interesting model and something that I would like the party to explore. And I think just having people having more autonomy over their lives, I think we're just living in this age, you know, when you look at even like, Scotland as well like the constitutional question about whether they leave the UK or not it's like again like Westminster still control that Westminster are blocking that and not allowing them to do that that is not a normal democracy and you know ultimately what we need to give 
you know, I, I fully believe in the idea of right self-determination. Like, I think that the people of Scotland should make the decision around their future. Like, I think that should be of any of any democracy, any nation. They should be able to do that. And, you know, the fact that the Westminster, you know, that there's so much power that's been put into Westminster. And I think they're just trying to strengthen that power through some of the bills that they're trying to put through at the moment. They're just trying to solidify that power centrally. And they're not willing to, because I think the thing is, as soon as they do let go of some of that power, I think you'd see a massive amount of change and I think and I think that scares them I think that scares them massively you know for these people all it's about is about power that's all it's about it's not about making anyone's lives better it's not about um you know sort of bringing about the society you know a society that would be great for like you know their children and grandchildren it's literally about power and making themselves richer and that is it that that is the, the key motivation to why these people are in politics like look at Rishi Sunak like Rishi Sunak, like the richest, I think he's the richest politician to have ever served as an MP in Westminster. I think, like, I think he's a very, very wealthy guy. It's like, why is he doing it? Why is he not on a, you know, why is he not on a beach somewhere or on like a super yacht, just enjoying his life? And it's it's power. Like, it's literally power about making him and his mates even richer than they already are. At the detriment, at the detriment of, you know, all of us trying to find ways to take that power away from Westminster and deliver it across all the regions of the UK of, of England but then also to the nation you know the nations at the moment of the UK I think can only be a positive thing if it means taking power away from the likes of Sunak and and co. Um, and also one final uh, question um, because you also touch upon uh, some of the bills that have been introduced and have also been turned into acts. Um, mm-hmm. There is this fear that with some of the direction of these bills, I'm talking about, you know, the Police Act, um, where the police have been given more rights, where they can stop people without suspicion, um, they can refuse protests or limit the right to protest. Um, and in general, um, you know, human rights have been or are within the crosshairs uh, of this government as well. Um, you know, these are worrying uh, developments within a country that prides itself on being uh, a democracy. Um, but we are very slowly but surely seeing the dwindling of those uh, democratic ideals. But people don't seem to be really aware of the dangers. How can you highlight these a bit more so that people really come to understand what potential dangers lie ahead? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, you know, it sounds really simple, but telling them, like making it really crystal clear that this is like, this is where we're heading right i think there's historical examples of this happening in other regimes and we have to we have to take lessons from history and say like look these are the first things that happen whether it's um minimizing the the power of trade unions whether it's around the you know stifling the right to protest these are all things that have happened in countries in the past on this sort of road down to fascism you know like this is the path to fascism like 100 percent, the uk is on that path and we have to be really honest and upfront about that. Um, you know, and the, the, the issue as well is that we're going up against the most right wing media in Europe as well, who are basically cheerleading this. <laughs> like, who are very complicit in it. You know, they're, they're absolutely loving it when, you know, climate protesters are getting locked up, you know, throwing soup at a painting. You know, like I just find that absolutely baffling. But that that's where we're at. Um, so there's a hell of a lot we need to do, you know, you know, as well as calling it out, like we need to show people that there's another way as well. Like it's all well and good us saying like, guys, this is like the path to fascism. Like 
be aware of this and like you know you really need to be aware of this is saying like well what what is the alternative what is the alternative what can we do so i think we have to try and get on the front foot and present that alternative and say like look like there is another way which means that you know communities have more of a say of how of how things are run and they can take more ownership of those decisions and the money that comes into the community and everything else and just saying like look there is another way um and make giving i think more democracy is the answer like we don't want less and i think the thing is ultimately this government i don't think will rest until there's very little um that we can do you know i think you know even when it comes to voting and you know the the the, the um the voting bill that went i can't remember what the name of it was but around the fact that we're now going to need voter id to vote um in the, the upcoming local elections and beyond you know that's going to mean that millions of people predominantly from like poor or marginalized communities aren't going to be able to vote they aren't even going to be able to have a say on who they on you know on who they elect into local government and into into parliament and that is terrifying genuinely terrifying and you know as part of the fight back it needs to be telling people but it needs to be providing an alternative i think that has to be the absolute key um to to winning to winning basically yeah and as you say so local elections um we've talked a lot about community and that really comes out so you're going to be putting candidates forward uh for local elections where can people go to see whether or not uh their local area has a candidate from you and if there isn't one such can people also then contact you and say i'd like to stand yeah absolutely so so unfortunately um we close like the application process of, of two or three weeks ago we want to have the time because i think this is the thing like with our party as well is what we're trying to do things differently is like we're trying to because there's some smaller parties that will sort of stand paper candidates where like they'll essentially say just sign up and stand you know and you don't have to do anything or whatever we're trying to sort of make it really clear to any candidates to stand for us that like look there's a lot of work that's involved in this and we try and make it really we try and be really upfront about that so we have got We've already gone through the candidate selection process. We have like a small handful of candidates that are standing, like um, in, I think we've got one that's standing in Cambridgeshire, got one that is standing in in Basildon down in Essex. Um, We've got um, one standing in Ashfield um, District Council, um, and we've got one standing in Leeds City Council as well. So we've only got the four candidates this year. but as I said, like we're we're quite you know we're quite clear with our candidates that there's a lot required, and we will give them all the resources and everything they need to stand. But um, you know they there's a lot of work that goes into it. So that's our four candidates for this year. Um, more than happy to provide it. You know if anyone wants any more details around those candidates and how they can get involved, just drop us an email at the info at email um, as, and the website that you mentioned before. Um, and we'll more than happily like give them more details. And if they want to help with the campaigns or anything else, we can give them those details for sure. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Alex, thank you very much uh, for agreeing to come and talk with me. It's great to hear from you. And uh, I hope if in the future you do come to sit in Downing Street, you'll remember me and come and say hi again. I absolutely will. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. And no, I thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Great. And all the best at the uh, the local elections. Um, I may be back to have a chat with you after and see how that goes. Please do. Please do. Love to. Thank you.